Uh-oh, is this thing live? It says it's live now. It's not wanting to work right. All right, there's looks like some people are watching. If anybody could comment, I'm trying to get the internet to work, but it's showing we're live, but it's not giving my counter. And it wouldn't hurt if I put my headsets on. All right. Is anybody out there? Yes. Oh, here we go. I knew something wasn't working right. All right. Can you hear me pretty good? We can. All right. I don't know what's going on. I couldn't get it. It usually gives me a counter. It starts timing how long I'm online. It's not doing that. So I've been playing with it. But it's not unusual for things not to work in Honduras. How are you doing tonight, Darren? Doing okay, Ashley. How are you? Uh-oh, did it quit again? Can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay. I don't know what uh, what I unplugged or plugged that I wasn't shoot. So I unplugged all the fancy stuff. So I'm just using a laptop. No, sometimes it's definitely a struggle in Honduras. Now it's giving my, my counter saying that we're live and it's timing it. So how are you doing, Darren? I'm doing okay, Ashley. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Okay. I just poured me a cup of coffee. So did I. And I'm, uh, I'm doing a preemptive strike. So I'm going ahead and I just heated another batch. I had some coffee that I brought from my guy, Bahidio. And the, after about three days, I realized that I wasn't going to have enough coffee for me. So I did. <laughs> So I'm going to have to give him something else. Well, we gave him a bunch of fertilizer. So today is my last day. I go home tomorrow. Or go back so you're in Honduras right now? Yeah, I'm in Honduras right now on the farm. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and so that's Very why, cool. That's why sometimes it's hit and miss on the internet. Right. I got the uh, internet and all connected back up uh, on the farm is sort of, you know, on a big hill. And so uh, we had a landslide a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it wow. It took out a big foam pole, which took out our internet, 
And when the poles started going down the hill, it ripped out all the water lines for like three communities. So for whatever reason, they hooked the main water line up, but they, well, it would have been hard to do to hook ours up because it used to, it was buried in the ground and now the ground was gone. So it would have just been hanging (laughs) for about 15 feet. So wow, they didn't hook us back up. So then we just went on the other side of the property and dug up the main and hooked to that. So they finally got that hooked up today. Right. Okay. So we had two. I designed these bathrooms. When we first started these projects, it was just us paying for it. And so I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that was all we had. So now, we have, now we have a nonprofit. But before the nonprofit, uh, years ago, when we would build somebody a house, we would build them a bathroom and then in another stall, we would have the shower. And so when I started paying for it myself, I got to thinking, well, why couldn't we combine these two things? Because they're almost identical. One of them has a main line running sort of out the back wall for the toilet. And then the other one has a hole in the middle of the floor for a uh, shower. So I built one just to see what would what it would look like and how it would function. And so you basically stand in front of the toilet and take your shower. You, you do have to close the lid or the shower will continually flush. You know, every time the shower, I mean, uh, every time the shower water fills up the toilet to a certain right. point, it will flush. So right. we have to do a, a toilet seat on it. So you close the toilet and you can either face the toilet or not, but then you just reach over to your right and you turn on the shower. Very few people here have a hot shower. So, you know, that's not an issue. And so, uh, Ah, Rigoberto, hola, como esta, amigo? Uh, we've got somebody from Honduras watching the podcast. Uh, but we, uh, so I designed this little shower. I made it about uh, eight or 10 inches wider than a normal toilet would be. And uh, we put a water hydrant uh, coming in the side. And so you can like take a little hose and just like blow the place out with water every so once in a while. But there's a drain that goes out the bottom of the shower that goes out of the bathroom. And we just figure out which direction the water needs to go because that's considered gray water. Right. It's just basically soapy water. And then the toilet flushes into a septic tank. And so we just do one unit. So when I did these units up on top of the hill, the idea was to have one nicer bathroom that had hot water in it for the North Americans. And then had a nice sink in it and stuff for the ladies that work in the project. And then the other side would be for everybody to use. And then there's a third bathroom on the lower part of the project, about 150 feet away <clears throat> that the kids use. And, and that one's pretty rough because they have no aim. And so uh, the women are constantly <laughs> going in with just a bucket, you know, and splashing the place down with a right. uh, Clorox or pine, pine saw or something. And they just sort of blast the place out. But uh, they, uh, it works pretty good, but when the landslide hit, our bathroom started falling. And so I got a ticket. They said, we just need to push it down. And I said, no, I, I can fix it. And so I thought I could get here in time to build a retaining wall. I got here and I really thought that I could have, but it was going to take so much concrete, so much effort. Uh, I thought I would be at, you know, building materials here, good building materials are extremely expensive. So I was going to be eight or $900 to try to support that thing up. 
And so I just made the call to go ahead. We took everything out of it. The breaker box for the whole project was inside of uh, the part that hadn't been built a shower in yet. And so, you know, we lost that. So then I had to do a lot of rewiring. We lost our meter pole. But while we were tearing the thing down, it slid another inch and a half. So I could have spent eight or $900 and tried to save it. Uh, or I could just cut my losses. And I know I can build the whole thing back for like 1600. So we just decided to do that. And then we, I went ahead and did preemptive strike on the other bathroom and, uh, and went ahead and built a retaining wall on it. And then I, I did quite a bit of wiring on the project that needed to be done. A lot of the, a lot of the, the problem with the project is one of the problems I have with uh, mission trips in general is you'll, you'll, a church will go on a mission trip. And one of the first things people ask you when they get back is how many baptisms did you have? Well, I think baptisms are worthless or virtually worthless unless you've got somebody that's going to go and follow up a preacher. that's going to go and Bible study with these guys. Cause yeah, they came to a meeting, they got all excited, they got baptized, but if there's not somebody that can go back and study with them, then it, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. They'll sort of fall back, you know, in their ways. And, uh, so my idea was not to just jump into the church, but a lot of the people that were, you know, had made donations and were helping were pushing hard to do the church. And so I stood my ground and I said, what we're going to do is we're going to open the kids library. We're going to have one or two fun days every month where they don't have to read. They don't have to do anything, but come and play games and have fun and let them get to know us. And then let's start a kid's church. And so we did that for a couple months. And then I had a preacher start coming in for the fun days and all the women were singing a couple of spiritual songs. Jesus loves me, stuff like that, even during the fun days. And they would start the fun days off with a prayer. And, and so we sort of stepped into it slowly, not just came in with a, a Christian hammer and said, you know, this is what you got to do. And so the kids started coming. And so we got 20 or 30 kids uh, that regularly attend and a lot of them's parents brought them. And so then they said, well, is there not a church for us? So then we changed the, changed it to where we could use the library for a classroom. And then the adults started worshiping in the main church building. So now I think today there was probably 18 adults, but you know, it gotta be at least 25 or 30 kids right there. And so, but I, I threw up the lights one night and they were like all hooked up on one plug in. And, uh, and so I've hodgepodge a whole lot of uh, the wiring. And, uh, and it was sort of draped in front of this back door. And one day somebody slammed the door and you just saw stuff arcing. And then before I could scream, no, he goes over and grabs the door to open it. And oh, he'll, he'll never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily everything, you know, I'm running three wires, which here two wires are common. And so, you know, it hit them, but it didn't kill them. But, uh, and I, uh, and it's pretty cheap to buy 10 amp, uh, breakers. So everything is under breakered, you know? And so, uh, if I load it up and starts throwing the breaker, then I'll step up, but I want my breakers as sensitive as possible. And so, especially for the bathrooms, because there's a heating unit that goes on the shower head and I want that thing to trip before somebody dies. Right. Right. 
So you can run that thing on a, a 10 out breaker. And so it makes it pretty sensitive. If something goes south, then it'll trip that breaker pretty easily. And, uh, but, uh, so yeah, we sort of started out slow and now we've got some kids coming to the library and we got a lot of kids coming to church, which I really thought it would be opposite of that. You know, I thought the church, the library would be loaded, but a lot of the kids will say, well, I have to read books when I'm in school. So we've had to change that around to where there's a 45 minute fun time. And then you go for an hour and a half reading. And then there's two hours of fun time. And then at the end of that two hours, there's a, a, a small cup of Pepsi and a little bag of potato chips. And then if there's no kids that want to go back into the library and read the next three hours, the kids can just have unorganized fun time on their own. And so uh, otherwise, if there's kids that are reading, then we do puzzles, card games, you know, quiet stuff so that because uh, the big building's got a metal roof on it and concrete walls. So everything sort of echoes in it. So it's uh, we're just sort of having to fill everything out. Uh, right now, uh, church attendance will slow down a little bit because it's starting to be picking season. The, uh, the library will almost be non-existent because church is Sunday where people generally don't work. Uh, but Saturday is, is payday and it's a big picking day. And so Saturday, the people will come and pick coffee till about 11 or 12 and then they want to get paid. And then they'll go home, shower, clean up, and then they go to town to do their shopping. So the library dies down during that time. So that's given us a chance to poise and get ready for a few things. So I've got five laptops that need to be gone through. I want to start an after school program. So I bought a color printer. We've got five used laptops. Three of them are apples, which I've learned yesterday. I hate apple. And, uh, I'm having a lot of trouble getting on the whatever it is you have to get on to to do Apple. It's some kind of store or something. I forget what it's called. iTunes. That's what it is. I had trouble with iTunes yesterday where the Dell and the HP computers are pretty simple. Right. But we're going to we've got a teacher that teaches computers that we're going to pay to come out one day a month. And then we've got two teachers that are sort of iffy right now. But there, uh, I want them one day a week to come and just help kids with their homework. If they're behind, help them get caught up, stuff like that. But right now, the schools are out for uh, picking season. And they won't go back till mid-February. Wow. So mid-February, I lose all my kids but uh, on the farm. But then they'll be back in school. And then I'm hoping they'll start coming back to the library. So, well, that's where we're at on the farm, pretty much. And uh, we've gotten everything done as far as the uh, landslides go. They were pretty big. And so I took these massive sheets of plastic that we dry the coffee on and covered up everywhere that the landslide was happening. And uh, so from that, we... Uh, when it rains now, you know, it's not going to slide anymore. It'll be on top of the plastic instead of, you know, hitting the dirt. So we've got that under control. Um, around April and May, it'll get pretty dry. So we're going to have to round up a bunch of money between now and then 
to start uh, start building a big uh, retaining wall. And we're talking probably 75 feet long and about eight feet tall and about two and a half feet thick. So we're talking hundreds of meters of rocks, hundreds of bags of concrete and probably about 200 pieces of rebar. So it'll be a, it'll be a big project. We're actually going to pay a, an engineer to come out and look at all my designs. Um, we're not going to build a straight wall. It's going to, it's going to go out and it's going to make a 30 degree turn and come back in. Uh, so I think that'll be a little bit stronger doing it that way. Uh, well, I know it will, but then we're going to, uh, we'll just sort of see, we're going to build it up a little bit. We're going to build about five feet and then we'll pack it full of dirt. And every time we get six inches of dirt in there, we'll pack that down, wet it down and then put another six. It's going to be a, a really a big undertaking. But at that point, I think we'll be safe from here on out. We won't ever have a landslide again. Uh, and then we can, with that, we'll actually be able to extend our property about six more feet out from what it used to be. And so then we'll make the decision, do we, do we build the new bathrooms back there or would you pick another area to build them? So uh, today, we just, or yesterday, I decided that the children's classroom we're building I'm going to take up a four foot by four foot corner and put a bathroom in there. Uh, we had a fun day one day and 112 kids showed up. Wow. And so one toilet ain't going to cut it. And the little boys, you have to force them to go to the toilet because here the people are just used to peeing anywhere. Right. So if you're shy, you don't walk around a corner without making yourself known. Because between little boys and little girls with dresses, they can pretty much pee everywhere fairly easily. <laughs> and so I walked around the corner the other day and this little girl, probably seven or eight, just looked up at me and smiled, you know, I'm like, what do you do? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think the worst one was I, uh, I was walking around the corner cause I was going to drive the bus that day. And, uh, the bus steps, you know, there's that little door that's sort of a accordion folding door that's on a regular school bus. And so right when I walked around there, there was a lady that had to be 80 years old and she didn't have enough strength to squat and pee. So she had one cheek on the step and then there, she was just letting it go with that. And so I didn't know what to do other than just go away. Right. <laughs> and so she smiled at me and she had about two teeth left and, uh, she didn't have enough energy to get up quick. So I just figured I'd come back in 10 minutes and then drive the bus. So I've got a hundred different P stories. Uh, and I've got two good places when I pick people up at the airport. It's just not, it's not a country design. You can't just like pull into a convenience store and run in and pee. They don't exist. There are some on the main highways, but uh, they definitely eyeball you if you don't buy something. But, uh, you know, if so in between the airport and the house, <clears throat> it used to be a, about a two hour, 45 minute drive. Now it's an hour and 10 minute drive because they moved the airport closer to us. But I've got two spaces that are a pretty good blind corner that I know how to position the truck. And, you know, I've got a double cab truck. And then the, the Toyota we drive has, you know, got two doors on it. And so if everybody walks away from the car, then you know, there's a woman's bathroom there and, uh, or a guy's bathroom, whatever. 
but a lot of times somebody needs to go to the bathroom, even though I tell everybody to go before we leave the airport, there's generally somebody that has to use the bathroom on the way. So, uh, or throw up, we've had to do that too. So, uh, so we've had to develop a process when, when we pick you up or pick your group up at the airport, we'll have a cooler with a few Cokes and a few Pepsis and a whole bunch of water bottles. And I usually, according to how the group size is, I'll have, you know, two to five pizzas in the truck. And so I'll, I'll leave uh, Papa John's pizza uh, right at the same time. I see your plane coming in. <clears throat> and then, uh, so when you get off the plane, the pizza's still pretty hot. And uh, if you guys need to, there's a shady spot where we park. If, if somebody needs to set, just catch their breath, you know, and, and get rid of some jet lag, they can do that. Uh, I thought I heard somebody outside. Uh, otherwise, we get on the road pretty quick, get everybody up here, get them settled in. There's a hotel about five miles up the road, or we've got bunk beds. Uh, we can squeeze three beds into the boys' room, and then we got an air mattress in the house. And then the small apartment will sleep four people fairly easily. And most people opt for the apartment. It's nice. It's got its own little mini kitchen. It's got its own bathroom and all that. Uh, and it's, it's not inside of the house. It's 150 feet away from the house, but you can't directly see it. So you've got a little privacy. I built a little six by eight patio. It's got an umbrella that mm -hmm. pops up. So you've got your own little space to have some free time in. Uh, now, Derek, you roast, right? Uh oh, my, are you still there, Darren? Yeah, yeah, I lost you for a second, but okay. What, what was roast, that again? Right? You roast coffee, right? Yeah. Okay. No, so no, I don't roast it. There's a V60 uh, brewer in the uh, apartment. There's a French press, and then there's a fresh roast 700 coffee roaster. So you could just knock yourself out. And when you come wow. in, you get a set of keys. One of them is to the cupping lab and the other one is to the uh, apartment. And so uh, if you want to go in there and use the Hucky roaster or if you want to, you know, just whatever you want to do with coffee. And we store the general use coffee. Uh, when I'm here, I have, the, I have them pull me three or four pounds of green coffee of everything we got. And so then I just do what I want to, you know, if I want to go in there and roast this or that, the other, then I, I keep myself some roasted coffee all the time. Hey, actually your, your audio is really breaking up bad. Let me try plugging this mic in and you can tell okay. me if it makes any difference. Any better now or any worse? No. No, about the same. It's about the same. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can, well, I can hold it a little closer. Does that make any difference at all? No, no, just a lot of reverb. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me make sure that I'm uh, staticky. I completely lost you if you can hear me.
Stefan, Alte. No. No. Still nothing. Let's see if it'll let me switch over. There you got it. <laughs> All right, it'll take just a second. Okay. Now can you hear me any better? I can. Okay. It let me switch over from my phone. That's why it started echoing real bad because I actually popped up on screen. Okay, now we're back on. It still shows that I'm logged on in two places, but maybe it'll maybe it'll shut off. Okay. But long as you can hear me, we are good to go. Yep. I got a new phone, and when I say new phone, it's new to me. And uh, I got it because I read on this, they have the, the Galaxy has an Ultra, and it has like a really good camera. I mean, it is a really nice camera. Uh, I've taken pictures, I took some pictures the other day of the moon. It was out during the day, but it let me zoom in so far that all of a sudden it turned black around the moon. Wow. So it was literally focusing on the moon and in outer space. So it was pretty cool. But, yeah, um, crazy. but this, this new phone doesn't have a place to like plug in my, my headset and all. It's all, everything's Wi-Fi on it. Right. So, uh, so I bought me a set of Wi-Fi headphones, but uh, I've been blessed with that. I was talking one day and uh, Jose, uh, I, I always say his name wrong. Uh, he's from Third Day Coffee Seguin uh, in Seguin, Texas. And so he sent me uh, a microphone. He upgraded his equipment. He sent me a microphone and some headsets. And then uh, Billy Stalls from uh, Billy's Bean Barn, he sent me this big, it's called Blue is the brand, microphone. And then for my birthday, my wife bought me a nicer set of like $60 headphones, you know. And uh, so, we, you know, we've sort of upgraded stuff. So now I've got a microphone and two headsets here. And then in the States, I have like a little mixing box. Jose told me which one he had, so I bought what he had. So now I think we can put three people and three headsets on. Uh, so I'm hoping to start doing more like interviews and stuff like that. I've got a couple people in the coffee business that I could get online once I start building up my following. But uh, from your end, can you see comments that people are making? I can't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not right now anyway. But I'm not it's, I'm not real savvy on the phones and I may have um, I may be blocking it somehow. I'm not sure. Well, I can see like how many people are watching. And then beside that, there's the thumbs up thing and then the heart thing. Somebody just thumbs up me while we were talking. Um, a few minutes ago, Rigoberto, he's a guy I buy my chicken feed from. He came online, but he was talking in Spanish. But we're having pretty good results with people. Uh, watching it afterwards good good deal and so i looked the other day and one of the things 250 people had downloaded it which i'm not exactly sure what that means uh i'm not a i'm not a computer guy either 
I know you're not supposed to download porn stuff like that. So I don't know about download the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I don't know if that means like watching it or if they actually downloaded it to watch later. You know, I'll download a book and I can listen to it while I'm driving, stuff like that. But right. But like the, uh, one of the podcasts, it was 254 people watched it. The stuff is so crazy. I, I don't understand algorithms and all that stuff either. But I did one about the aerial press. And t- like 2,600 people watched it. And just watching me do an aerial press because I had that new metal filter. And then I did one one day. I, we have a hand-cranked two-cylinder diesel engine that runs the coffee mill up on top of the hill. Well, all my workers can literally can lift of the back of a car because they have literally turned my truck around for me when we got it stuck one day. And so they just think I'm old because literally I'm 56. I'm a senior citizen. I've been a senior citizen for a while here. Something one wow. of the guys said, you're you're 50. And I'm like, uh, more or less. And he's like, more or less. I said, more, you know, like it's a woman's like asking a woman her weight. I don't want to admit to being really old. And uh, he said, if you're 50 or more, you're in the wrong line. And I'm like, well, I'm all for that. What line do I need to be in? He said, follow me. And so we walk over to where the line's going in the door. And he said, this is your line. I'm like, well, there's nobody else in it. And he's like, there's nobody else as old as you are. And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And, uh, and so, man, within five minutes, I mean, literally, I was at the end of the block and around the corner. That's where the guard saw me. And uh, and so he brought me to the door. And then the next time they keep the bank door locked. And when there's five or six people that get finished then they let them out and let five or six people in. And so and then within five or 10 minutes, I, uh, you know, I was ready. You know, I was in the bank where other guys, those poor guys are out there. I've, I've been at, usually going to the bank. Uh, it's like I'll see you in about five hours. Wow. Literally. And it's 10 miles from here. And so I was so excited and so happy that I have my own line. And then he gives me a ticket and it usually says C and a number. And this one said MC. And uh, it means mayor clienta, which means older client. And uh, I'm like, well, it made me feel bad, but I still get in front of you, you little young punk. And so <laughs> and so I was so excited. When I left the bank that day, I walked down the road and bought a three liter Pepsi and about 15 bags of chips and some cups and gave it to the guard. Well, the next time I walked in the bank, the guard comes over to me. He said, let me see your ticket. And uh, he took my ticket from me, reached into his pocket and gave me another ticket, which was the next number to be called. And so apparently the guards, there's a machine that spits out tickets. And so they'll go by about every 10 or 15 minutes and they'll take a ticket out. And so I went in one day with Anna, my general manager, and I walked, the guard walked up and he swapped my ticket out and her ticket was like 50 digits higher than mine. And so I just smiled and went and sat down and she went and sat down beside me and they called me within like five minutes. And I'm like, I tell you what, 
I said, I'm going to go ahead and do my grocery shopping and I'll be back and get you in a little while. And I went to the grocery store, bought my groceries, filled the tank up with gas. And when I pulled up to the bank, she was, sta- uh, she was standing out in front of it waiting on me. And so I can't tell you how many three liter Pepsis I've bought in the last two years. <laughs> but a, pe- a three liter Pepsi is $2 more or less. And then the chips are like 15 cents a bag. And I'm telling you, it's money well spent. Right. Um, and I've told Bahidio and Santos, I've bought them both like Legacy Farms coffee shirts. And I said, when you go to the bank, put, you know, have a clean shirt, Legacy Farms coffee. And I said, when you go in, you'll go to the store first and buy your Coke and all first and tell them you're, you know, you're working for me, picking up my money. And so now they get that sort of same treatment. And it's good because I'm paying them by the hour to go to the bank. Right. And I always, and I always pay two of them because I always want somebody with them because they're picking up what would be the equivalent of two to three to four years salary for a worker. Wow. You know, and so and I can't be there with them every time. Right. So and eventually, you know, we're rolling the dice. Uh, used to there was two banks in town. And what we would do was rotate banks and rotate days. But they're not, you know, they don't carry a gun. And so, you know, there's not a lot they can do other than just give the money up. So every time they come in, they, they'll walk to the bank from the bus stop. But then when they leave, I have them grab a moto taxi. Um, and then I have them walk around the block. And when they're walking around the block and nobody's looking, they shove the bag of money in their shirt. And then they go around the next corner and then they grab a moto taxi and take the moto taxi straight to the bus stop. I don't want them to catch a moto taxi in front of the bank. Right. But uh, so like in the bank, it's against the, you can't wear a hat, sunglasses, and you're not allowed to take your cell phone out while you're in the bank. Because the gang members were sending somebody in there and they would watch. <laughs> and like the other day when I left, I had a black plastic bag with like $4,000 in it. You know, because I had to have cash money to pay for those concrete and all that material right and so that's a pretty big bag when you say their denomination is 25 to 1 of ours so i've got an inch thick stack of 500 bills, <laughs> you know and so everybody when i walked out when i turned around they saw that so i'll have them split it into two bags and i put the stack of uh, 500 bills i just slid it down my shirt and uh, when i turned around i had like one little bag in my hand that probably had about thousand dollars cash in it and so when i walk out the door my gun permit ran out so i'm not allowed to carry my gun and so uh normally uh, the guard will hold my knife and that's about all i can carry is a knife but that day i was able to park my truck right there by the front door there's three parking spots and one of them was open and so i was able to park my truck there and get in and out pretty quick and and then once I get the money, then I generally don't stop anywhere else. I go home and, uh, you know, straight to here. And then we, we break up the money and Anna takes her parts because she's in charge. There's two banks here on the farm. So there's my personal bank where the farm loans money to people. And there's the nonprofits bank that loans money to people. And then there's the payroll for the schoolroom project there's the payroll for the nonprofit. then there's the payroll for the farm 
So Anna has to break that money up into five spots and she hides it in five different places. And then in the house here, I hide money in two different places. One is my personal money that my wife doesn't know about. And I hope she's not watching. And then, <laughs> and then one is the emergency money because if something happens and Anna can't, uh, my guys can't get to the bank, then nobody gets paid that week. And so I usually keep a five, six, seven hundred dollars, um, you know, here extra money. And then Anna can rob Peter to pay Paul from the other, you know, the nonprofit and all that to make payroll for, you know, whoever's short. But uh, but I usually keep two hundred dollars in my bedroom that uh, that's mine. I can do whatever I want to with it. And uh, <clears throat> like today, I wanted to go to town and I had a guard come in to watch the place while I was gone. And then I got to feeling bad. I said, I'm going to spend five or six dollars worth of gas going to pay the guard five or six dollars to stay here while I run to town and look for tiny coffee cups. And that's all I was going to do. I park my truck in town and I walk up and down the market streets and I hit the little stores and I'm just looking for some cool coffee cups. And so uh, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> and so I felt bad. So me and uh, me and Pedro just hung out. We talked. I did an interview with Pedro and I think it's on, it might be on my Instagram. I don't know if we're on Instagram friends or whatever you call that. Uh, but I'll repost it on Facebook tonight. I did a little interview with him and we just had like, a, I think it was three or four minutes and we just talked a little bit about his kids and he is so proud of his kids. And when, and uh, if you notice, when we talk about his, uh, his kids, I asked him what his, his oldest kid was 18. But when he told me his kid's age, he instantly told me how much coffee they pick a day. And he just lit up. He's like, my nine-year-old can pick 50 pounds of coffee a day. And he was just as proud of him as if you said my kid <laughs> just graduated high school. And then, so then he's, we, we talked about his other kids. And I said, what, who's your, how old's your oldest kid? And he's like, he's 18 and he can pick 250 pounds a day. And uh, I said, well, how many can you pick? And he's like, 300. And so I'm like, well, you go, Pedro. And so we uh, this year, we, we've helped him plant his fields. And so this year, we get, uh, were able, the, the farm bank was, or one of the banks, was able to make him a loan to buy a, another little farm. And then luckily, we had some extra plants. And so he planted some of our Marciessa variety, which on the roasted side, that's called Don Ashley. And then there's a Perinema, which on the roasted side, it's called Heirloom Perinema. And so we gave him some of those from our plants. And uh, we, made, we planted plants from the seeds. You know, we planted the seeds and planted the plants. We gave him seven or 800 of those plants and he planted them in his farm. And so this coming season, which will be the 2024 crop, he's going to have some perinema that he's able to pick. And then we'll process it for him and send to the states. So I wanted to start going ahead and marketing Pedro because I'm hoping somebody will you know, buy some of Pedro's coffee. And what I, what I like to do, I like the saying, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish. So what I try to do is pair Pedro up with a roaster in the United States that will buy all of his coffee and pay a good price for it. And then 
they know each other and uh anna knows how to export the coffee she knows all the paperwork and she's my general manager and uh so if i die tomorrow pedro still gets to send his coffee to the united states to his buyer and he didn't go right back to life as before you know right. so um, and he said tonight uh, today when we were just hanging out talking uh, he said that he had found another farm and he's waiting to see if the guy is willing to sell it. And if so, he'll be buying his third farm this year. Wow. And so, uh, and these are tiny farms, you know, like a, like a back, you know, regular backyard where like his farm has seven or 800 plants on it. So with both his farms, he might have 2000 plants, you know, the combined on both of them. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty big shot in the arm for him, you know, and he's got five boys. He's got a six and a nine year old that aren't, you know, don't, don't do that much, but he's got a 12, a 16 and an 18 year old that help him work on his farm all the time. And that's, there's no complaining. He says, we need to go to the farm there. They just like, okay. And they go to the farm and they work. And so they'll get off work. You know, the 18 year old works on the farm here some, but he just finished high school. And so uh, he'll start coming to work here full time, hopefully. And then, you know, when they get off work, they go home, they shower, they eat, and then they go work on his farm. And uh, and one of his one farm is like an hour walk. But uh, but they have bicycles, so they if the road's fairly decent, they're able to ride their bicycles. Right. But today, I think he still owes a hundred dollars. He paid off the lo the loan that we gave him for the uh, farm, and so he still owes a hundred dollars on his when he bought fertilizer at the beginning of the year. Because I buy it in bulk, and we'll buy two to three hundred bags at a time, so I'll get a, a good discount from what they get. And so, because uh, he'll go in there and buy five and a half bags. Because that's exactly what it's going to take, you know, the fertilizer's farm. And so uh, he can buy it through us and save a little money. We loan him the money and there's no interest on it. And so he's the best about paying back loans pretty quick. And so he uh, he asked today if it's okay if he goes ahead and, uh, and borrows some more money to buy some fertilizer. And so Friday we finished fertilizing this farm. So... Uh, we were in that room and looking at all the, we still had 40 bags left over. <clears throat> and so we were able to, one of our customers, I've got to look his name up, gave me $150 or said he wants to, I got to get him the Venmo thing, but he's going to donate $150 towards Pedro's uh, fertilizer. So I just said, well, I'll match that and we'll just give you six bags of fertilizer. And then I got thinking that uh, or five bags <clears throat> And uh, so I had five and a half bags. That's just enough to fertilize his farm. And then I got thinking, well, his brother, Santiago, has got another farm. So his fr brother, Santiago, is a little bit bigger. So we just went. And they're both really good workers. And they're very loyal. And so uh, we just gave them 12 bags of coffee. I mean, a fertilizer. So that'll fertilize both of their little farms. And, you know, it didn't cost us a million dollars. And I've already bought and paid for that fertilizer. So uh, we'll do the same thing for Bahidio and Santos. We'll give them uh, we'll give them their fertilizer this year, 
and it'll uh, just be a little bonus for them because they all, I mean, they all work hard, you know, they're, and they're good guys. So that's something we can do is uh, donate or buy fertilizer for them. That would help out quite a bit. Yeah. There's a couple of them that are going to need uh, bicycles this year. I have Anna sort of make me a list. A good bike is 135 bucks. And when I say a good bike, they have bikes that are five and six hundred dollars, but you can only buy parts from them in the big city. The bikes that they use have standard gears, standard chains. You can buy it in any town. And so that's sort of the bike that they need. Last them three or four years. And so uh, there's a couple of them that you know need to upgrade their uh, a bike. Or they've got a kid that's starting to ride to work with them. Like Pedro's kid is going to start working here. So uh, we've got a new bike in the shed. And so uh, we'll give his kid that bike when he starts working here. Uh, just as a little bonus for, you know, starting to work here. But, yeah, every once in a while we have to, you know, we do something like that. The okay. big push I'm going to start pushing for, I've got a couple of uh, – big money friends that I'm going to hit up next week because it's going to take a lot of money to finish up that, that church project. But uh, the guys I like to help, I'd much rather get a check for a couple hundred dollars to help a couple of the workers than build a set of concrete steps, you know, right. Um, it's just more personal with them. And like I invited Bahidio and his son came by for breakfast this morning. And I had already gotten up. They were supposed to be here at six. They showed up about seven forty-five. And what they did was they went home, took a bath, and put on clean clothes and all. Because he guards for another project. He guards for a restaurant up the road. So he leaves here at three, goes home, takes a shower, and then rides his bike about another thirty minutes. And then he has a twelve-hour guard shift at, at that restaurant. And so he went home today, which every time he does, he passes the farm, took a shower and brought his kid back. So I'd already eaten some breakfast at like 530. And so they got here. I scrambled a dozen eggs, cut up ham and hot dogs and put in the eggs. I think, yeah, we had toast, coffee, and they ate every one of those. I ate a couple of the eggs, but between him and his like nine-year-old son, they ate 10 scrambled eggs. Wow. wow. Uh, so, uh, but then, yeah, I try to have them in because it's something that's not real common because I guess Pedro has never been in the house. And so today he came in and he was like looking around. He said, oh, you have a beautiful house. So I guess he had never been in, you know, been in our house before. And and that's shameful because he's worked for me for four years. Wow. Uh, but there's also 40 other guys that have too. So, right. But uh, when John, I've got to come back in about two and a half weeks. And every time somebody gives us a tip or gives like two or three dollars, you know, they just keep the change in the coffee in the roastery. I stick that in my, I've got a bilingual Bible that I keep under the table. And every once in a while, I try to read Psalms 23 in Spanish. Uh, it's only been 12 years, but I'm still trying to memorize it. But uh, it's, it's probably not going to happen, but I'm not going to give up. And so I take all that money. And sometimes, you know, if I'm that's last time I was in the States for three months, it was like one hundred and eighty dollars. 
And I tell people when they donate money, I tell them what I'm going to spend it on because it's not anything necessary or anything. I went into uh, Little Caesars pizzas and bought 12 pizzas. And uh, and I got to I got here before the workers got off shift and I was just handing out pizzas as they were, you know, they were walking out of the uh, office. When we started doing that a couple of years ago, there's literally people that work for us that have never had a pizza. You know, and so I'm like, I know there's, and my wife gets on to me. I know there's things they probably need more than a $5 pizza, but sometimes you need a $5 pizza. Uh, sometimes it'll change your day, you know, and I'm eating a dollar great value milk, chocolate, salted toffee candy bar. And that is making my night that with a big a cup of hot coffee. Uh, both my teeth hurt on both sides. I had a cap fall off both sides a week apart from each other. And so I went to Walgreens and there's actually a glue called recap it. And uh, you can glue your porcelain crown back on. But it says it's for 48 hours and you need to get to a dentist. And I don't know how they do it, but it lasts about two days and it'll fall off again. Well, it fell off today. And I don't have any more glue. So you have to be real careful about drinking hot coffee when you're not wearing your crown. But, <laughs> but one of the projects that we're doing on the farm is Eli and I scored a dental chair back in June, May or June. And Eli's my 13-year-old son. And he's up for any adventure that you ever come up with. And uh, so he, uh, he and I, my truck is sort of shoddy. We run on a shoestring budget here. So uh, there's literally bailing wire holding together two different things I can think of on my truck right now. And uh, the brakes are bad enough on the Toyota that I'm paying somebody to come get me tomorrow and take me to the airport. Uh, but anyway, this guy said, there's a, a dental chair here. If you want it, come get it. But it was on the southern coast. And so I called my buddy uh, Herbert and I told him what I needed. He said, well, come get one of my Coyote trucks. And uh, so I went up there and we couldn't find the paperwork for it. And we were leaving, you know, straight from there, going to the southern coast. And he said, well, if I get caught in his truck and don't have the paperwork, it's a big deal. And so he said, we well, just take my truck. And he has a, a pretty new, like a 2022 Toyota Hilux. And somebody went in and reprogrammed it to where, the backup camera will actually do a DVD, which I didn't know you could do that. And so Eli's watching DVDs while we're driving down the road. And I mean, everything works on the truck. The air conditioner works. The windows will actually roll up and down. And so I'm like, we're, we thought it was like a Cadillac, man. And so we're just tooling down the road and we go down and any store we want to stop at, anywhere, anything we want to do. And so we get this dental chair. And on the way back, Eli's looking at the GPS. We accidentally went into El Salvador and uh, Eli's like, well, let's get out and do something while we're in El Salvador. So I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I just, just go in the store and buy something. So we went and bought snacks in El Salvador. And so we were able to pay dollars because El Salvador uses the dollar. And uh, so then we got back on the road and then the GPS says, welcome to Honduras. Um, so we took a picture and showed it to mama. It says, welcome to Honduras. And so she's freaking out because you're not supposed to go into another country without 
you know, different paperwork. And so uh, we go down and he's watching GPS and said, I saw the, is that the uh, a lake or what is that? And I said, no, that's the ocean. You know, we're looking at blue. And so he thought it was a lake. And I'm like, no, that's the ocean. That's the Pacific Ocean. Well, last year we went to the Atlantic Ocean. And so uh, I said, on the way back, do you want to go to the ocean? And he's like, yeah. So we're driving down this road and this guy with the machine gun stops us. And I said, we're just going to the ocean to, you know, jump in the ocean. He's like, no, this is like a secure port, you know. And so he said, go down here, told us how to get there. And we go down. And so it just luck had it where I parked the truck. I was right across the street from a coffee shop. Eli, uh, the windows were tinted. So he stripped down and put on a pair of shorts and he goes out and jumps in the ocean. And I drank coffee and looked for seashells and, you know, we just you know had an adventure and uh, came back with a dental chair. And so I've spent my last three trips trying to get it wired, and I've still got to do the pneumatics on it. But uh, everything seems to be working on it. And then there's got to be about $3,000 worth of incidentals done. But we're at the position right now where for about $6 a person, uh, and that includes the dentist's time, uh, we can start doing teeth cleanings. So on uh, uh, January 1st, we're going to open the dental clinics just for cleanings. And then one day, a month, and it'll be one day a week just doing cleanings. And then we're going to do one day a month. There'll be a dentist that comes down and does extractions. So, uh, and then hopefully in the future, I've got my, some feelers out to a couple of dentists. And I'm hoping they'll start supporting the dental clinic uh, to where I can pay a dentist to come out and do fillings. And that's more like, uh, I think you can fill two teeth for $17. And that in, that's the, an average of doing 20 people a day. And that's paying the dentist. And that's for all the, uh, the stuff, you know, wow. amalga and uh, injections and all that. And so that's pretty cheap, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if you, can, I, if you can, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, I'm going to say if you'll contact me when you get back, I'll... I'll uh, I'll try to help out some, and uh, I've got to be going to bed here tonight. But um, are you are you coming back tomorrow? You say? Yeah, I leave. Uh, <clears throat> my driver gets here. The preacher at the church is coming to get me and taking me to the airport. So I'll okay. be from nine nine in the morning till midnight tomorrow night. I'll be traveling. Okay. But when I get in, I get in Houston. I'll be online for about two hours while I wait. But uh, Tuesday, I'll be roasting first part of the morning and then I'll be free in the afternoon. But, you okay. know, one thing one thing that's a big help is uh, if you can just put a bug in your dentist ear next time you're in the dentist office to see if that's something. Because what we need is a dentist to say, I'll throw in one hundred dollars a month, you know, and then we can start doing a budget. And then what we do is we give out tokens. And then so for when there's a normal dental clinic, uh, the last dental clinic we had was June. And so there was 200 people that came through the dental clinic. So uh, we gave out 125 tokens and 200 people showed up. So both the dentists stayed late until they saw all the 200 people. But they extracted, oh, man, it was sort of disgusting, like a bucket full of tea. But right. that relieves somebody's pain, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
if we can start doing cleanings now and mainly for the kids, if we can clean their teeth like a good, you know, that you get that good feeling that one day when you leave the dentist office, you feel clean and uh, you give them a cleaning like that, you know, once a month that, you know, they're going to remove the tartar and build up and all that stuff with their little picks and all. And if we can do that at least every other month, that's going to push back a lot of cavities. Okay. And, and so we don't have to pull so many teeth, you know, because teeth pulling is easy and cheap. One shot, you know, if the teeth are close together, you can pull two teeth, you know, and it's pretty economical. But I, what I'd like to do is save, you know, the teeth. And so uh, that's the goal to eventually. So I've got two dentists that I'm going to talk with next week, this week when I get back to the States. And uh, I've got some pictures of what the dental clinic looks like right now. But uh and then hope that I can get them to just do something. I mean, I'm going to ask them for a lot and see if I can get a little, you know. But right. uh, I, uh, when we went to pick up this dental chair, and I know you got to go, but the guy who had them had a bunch of them. And, uh, but he wasn't willing to let go of the good ones. And he wouldn't let us have the drills and stuff like that. And in this steel cage, there was boxes, you know, Tupperware boxes full of drills. We could see them through the Tupperware and autoclave that sterilizes the equipment he wouldn't let us have any of that but I, he said you can go through the junk pile and pick out anything you want so i got an autoclave out of the junk pile and uh and an autoclave is like a little steam thing and it just keeps boiling and boiling uh and then there's a pressure sensor that cuts it off when it's boiled hot enough long enough when well, none of that works so I have to sit, I set somebody outside the building with an extension cord and then they have a timer on their phone. And when it's time, they just unplug it, it you know, just about the same, it still does the same job, but it's a little more int- uh, labor intensive, but you know, we're able to do that. So as soon as we get some drills, we'll have the capacity to do that. So it's little by little, it's, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. So that's, that's our goal, you know, is to do what we're supposed to do. And, but yeah, uh, uh, whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll accommodate it. And if you got something, if you got some money you want to put for something specific, we'll, we'll help make that happen. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, spreading the word is, you know, is a big thing. And, um, you know, giving a Google review for the farm or anything or for, you know, at the, on the website or something like that, all those little things help. And, uh, you know, if you find somebody that might want to watch the podcast, you know, send them a link sometimes we're uh we're just trying to grow any way we can and the more coffee we sell roasted or green you know the better off the farm is so all those things sort of go together but and if there's any way ever any way we can help you you know if you ever have a fundraiser you want to help with or something like that you know we can get you bulk coffee and you know help you do a fundraiser at your church or it doesn't matter if it's Lions Club or Rotary Club. I mean, anything, you know, kids school or stuff like that. We do. a. That's why I'm having to go back. I was going to stay through Thanksgiving, but I've got a fundraiser that uh, the coffee is going to be due on Friday. So I'll have to roast that coffee on Wednesday. Then we'll pack it up Thursday and then they'll pick it up on Friday. So we uh, we do about eight fundraisers during between now and Christmas. So okay. uh, that. uh you know, that helps out quite a bit of our people in our local town. The elementary school sold over 700 pounds of coffee last year in their fundraiser. 
and something like 3,000 K-cups. I can't tell you how much I hate K-cups, but, uh, but you know, it's, uh, and then when you see 3,000 of them, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I better get a big cup of coffee and get started. But uh, it's very, very, uh, you got to get 15 grams of coffee in that tiny little cup and then you got to put 12 little tiny cups into a box. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, that's not, that's the least fun thing to do that and bag sample bags. The boys hate doing that because uh, you can put three and a half ounces into a bag. And, you know, sometimes people order a lot of sample bags and uh, a lot of businesses will, uh, somebody just ordered 600 uh, last month. And so you got to, you know, bag that up. And for the Chicago event we did, there was a thousand three ounce sample bags. So that, uh, you know, those are just you know, tedious, you know, tedious work and trying to get an 18 year old and a 13 year old uh, to volunteer for that. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Well, man, Darren, I appreciate talking to you. Uh, anytime you want to jump on any podcast, if you ever have something specific you want to uh, talk about or something like that on a podcast, uh, the podcast on Wednesday night, somebody asked about Quakers. Do you know what Quakers are? As far as the nomination of people? Uh, oh, no. Uh, no. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a white bean. Every once in a while, you'll see a real light-colored bean in your roasted coffee, and that's a Quaker. And so when I do a podcast, I generally start out by answering, you know, I do all my websites and all the Facebook pages we have, and then I'll go into customer questions. And so uh, one of the questions that I wasn't able to answer tonight because I couldn't do enough research on it is what makes a Quaker? And, you know, I honestly don't know. But a Quaker is a very bitter bean. And after you roast the coffee, while the coffee's in the cooling tray, you ju we just reach through and start picking out those Quakers by hand. Because when the bean is unroasted, you can't tell the difference in the color. There's no difference. And so only after it's roasted, we can see a big color difference and that you can take that one Quaker and put it in with 40 good beans and it'll ruin a cup of coffee. Oh, wow. And so, and so it takes a lot to pick those out while that it usually takes three minutes for my cooling tray to cool the coffee down. And so at that time, I'm looking for any discolored beans or misshapen beans and I just pull them out. And so somebody asked me what actually causes that. And I'm like, you know, I have no idea. Uh, and so that's going to be a big topic this next Wednesday. Uh, and so there's a couple more customer questions that I've got. A, I'm way behind on customer questions. But if you ever, ever have something you're curious about, there's no real there's no real stupid questions. Although somebody asked me what uh, what decaf I grew uh, the other day. And so that wasn't necessarily a stupid question. but uh, you don't actually grow decaffeinated coffee. And so, uh, you know, that made for a good topic of a lot of discussion. Uh, a lot of people jumped in because there's a chemical decaffeinating process. There's, uh, and then there's a Swiss water process. And so we all got into that. Uh, so, yeah, any question you think of, just shoot it to me and we'll, uh, we'll cover it. And if you ever want to come on, if you've got a brew method or something, we're going to start doing some programs where we do a, a podcast where we do a specific brew method. 
I'd like to talk to you about possibly marketing your bean to, to different outlets here. I don't know if that's something I can do or you allow, but uh, um, I've got a lot of different people that I, I talk to that have coffee shops and I'd like to see what the possibilities are of maybe doing that for you or at least promoting your coffee to them. No, definitely. If you've got a coffee shop, I'll send you a bunch of samples and you can drop off some samples. We also have a white label program. Uh, we've got a couple people that uh, that actually sell coffee, and when and we have one of them that sells it through our back door. So you'll go to their website and buy the coffee, and then when it's shipped to them, it has their label on it, and all. And so uh, you you think you're buying it from them, but you're actually buying our coffee. Uh, then okay. there's a, then there's white label where a guy will just order our coffee. And then uh, we ship it to him and he puts his own label on the bag and then he sells it. Um, okay. And so it's crazy. I got people that will sell my, they're selling my coffee for $18 a pound and I sell it for, I think, 14 and a quarter, you know? Right. Right. And so, uh, and then we end up selling it to them, I think, for 11 uh, at a wholesale price. And then, so they're making, you know, they're clearing 450 to $5 per pound where right. I'm clearing 350 you know and so uh but i still uh, i look at it like i got 350 where i wouldn't have otherwise and so right. if i have to sell it green i make about a dollar so any any way i can sell the roasted coffee i'm ahead of the game okay you know and for fundraisers we sell it for like 950 so okay. uh, then they sell it for 16 dollars a pound So that way, you know, it's it's eventually getting me more customers because it comes when the fundraiser gets it, it actually has our name on the bag. Right. And then they right. can they can reorder and stuff, you know, directly from us. Uh, but then the school doesn't get any part of that. You know, then they're just our customer and they know that the school's gonna be once a year, they'll pick up a couple pounds for the school and then a lot of money will go to the school. Versus those candy bars where you get a dollar. The school gets a dollar or 50 cents or whatever, uh, you know, they'll get, you know, schools getting at least $6 when they buy, you know, when they do a coffee fundraiser. So it's, uh, and it's worked out pretty good for a lot of, uh, we're doing a homeschool group this year. I think last year they sold 200 pounds. Uh, and so, you know, that's what, $1,200 or something for them. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that helps. The 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 high the no, it's an elementary school that sold the seven hundred and seventy something pounds. I mean, they made a couple thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, that's a big deal for them. Versus, yeah, yeah. you know, usually selling candy bars, they'll make you know a thousand dollars maybe. But uh, yeah, no, just uh, you know, we try to try to sell coffee any way we can and we're, we're tickled to sell it wholesale retail or any other way but yeah get with me next week and i've uh i've got some samples left over from the i went and spoke at uh at a coffee fest in chicago uh it was like october the 10th or something and uh uh-oh I lost you.
Oh, Ashley, if you can hear me, I'll, I'll talk to you when you get back. Thank you for everything. All right, guys, I'm sorry. I was I switched over to my phone and then I just realized my phone wasn't plugged in when it went dead. So we've hit well past the hour mark. I planned on doing 45 minutes. <clears throat> We're going to end it. But I, I will ask if you guys will give us a, a, a Google review. If you hate our coffee, give us a negative. If you like it or like our projects, give us a positive Google review, review on the website. Spread the word. Help that. That's a big help to us. Anyway, I appreciate you guys watching. I'm flying back tomorrow. So tomorrow uh, afternoon, I'll be posting a lot of videos that I did while I was on the farm this week. And Darren, I lost you, but thanks so much for your, your questions and, and, uh, and helping us spread the word. Uh, thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you again real soon.